Hey everyone out there, and thanks again for joining us here at ASAP Nowcast, the podcast for ASAP Now. Now, this is the end of the year, which means that, of course, we will be doing a wrap-up. New Year's is right around the corner, and so ASAP Now is here, still working hard. So, the newsletter is probably hitting your mailboxes now, and of course, we have the podcast. So we have a really special episode for you this month. Of course, we have a special episode for you every month. But I wanted to do something a little festive and lighthearted and inspirational. And what we found is actually a really special podcast-only feature with Dr. Joseph Cruz, who is not only an ER doctor, but is a science fiction author who just casually started writing a book back in residency, but that has actually materialized into his publication in the past month. Now, we have talked to lots of authors, lots of physicians with um, side gigs, um, full businesses, and what I love about these stories is that this is a season for miracles, but these are not miracles. They are a combination of hard work, figuring things out, and of course, a whole lot of passion which is something I think that ER doctors are all really good at. So after that interview, we will do a special end of year review with myself and our editors recapping some of our favorite moments on what was a huge 2023. And of course, we'll close with any commentary from you all as the readers for what you want to see in 2024. Hey, everyone at Ace Up Now. Thanks for joining me again for this month's very special guest. Um, it's a little bit of a different one, but I thought it was one that was really interesting to emergency medicine and especially to the diversity of our groups and our members. So I have with me joining today Dr. Joseph Cruz, who is an ER physician at Mid-Atlantic Emergency Medical Associates in North Carolina and is most importantly and most interestingly to me, a new science fiction author. So Joe, I want to say thank you so much for joining me because I saw your story on EM Docs and thought it was a really interesting, unique one. And I'm super excited to chat. Yeah, Amy, thank you so much for for having me on. Um, You know, I am a uh, very introverted person. So uh, this is definitely uh, something way out there outside of my comfort zone. Uh, just the whole process in and of itself, but um, I'm definitely really excited to go about this process, and I appreciate you having me uh, on the podcast as well. Yeah, so so let's just get into it. So your book is The Red Frontier, and the summary is that it is the first book of the Red Tomorrow series, which tells me that there is a series, and it just published last month, and what really caught me is that it is science fiction, and I just like loved the, the visual because it reminded me of like all those covers when you know when I was a kid, like walking down like the grocery store where they had the whole book aisle and like everything so like fantastic and like colorful. Like it's like a real like science fiction book. So like, how in the world did this happen? Like, what made you think to write the book? We'll get into the process later as well. Yeah. So you know, just with uh, being an ER doctor and and having my mind sort of going in all different directions as a as a profession in and of itself uh it it was something that i've always wanted to do and since i was in in high school and college i would write a lot of uh, fiction stories on the side and i would actually release them but through uh pen names Uh, it was always something that i would do but not really make it 
to public, uh, kind of share it with like close friends and family. So it really was a big leap for me to uh, actually put it out there under my own own name. Uh, but uh, around like 2015, 2016 or so, uh, I really wanted to write an actual like science fiction novel, make this a whole big thing. Uh, and then I, when I started writing it back then in 2016, uh, I got like pretty much all the way through it, like eight, nine tenths the way through. And, uh, you know, then I, I had kids and we moved and all these uh, excuses kind of came in the way. And I, I never quite made that that jump to actually go publish it. And then uh, for whatever reason, I, I decided last year that I was going to do it. And so here it is now. <laughs> I know. I love this story because it's kind of like the ever introvert. You're like, yeah, I wrote as a pen name. And then, you know, I'm just like casually working on this novel for like years. And I like, I know there's so much more to it. So I, I did want to jump into the process of it. Um, I think it's no small feat. Like I've I've done a children's book, so that's you know twenty pages with a hundred words, maybe so nothing compared to this. But I I am very aware. Like the publishing process is not trivial. Like I mean, there is the writing part, of course, which is your creative mind, you know, your ideas, et cetera, which I think is unique to every person. But the publishing process, I would love to hear more about because you mentioned a little bit. Um, about it online, actually, like about testing, how you got a publisher, you have an agent, um, editing, like, you know, you got this amazing cover art, like, how did you figure it all out? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah. And and by the way, Amy, um, yeah, it was really funny, because when when you reached out to me, I was like, my God, her name sounds so familiar. And like, we looked at the bookshelf, and we're like, Oh, my gosh, we got we, we literally had your book. <laughs> and uh, I think I got it for my daughter. I, I don't know when you when you released it. Was that a couple of years ago? Or? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had. I think we gave it to my daughter for for Christmas. But it was it was just really funny, kind of putting two two and two together. I was like, wait, that's her. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. No, it's too sweet. And like I said, like I I have started this, and I was like, oh, the writing was like cool and creative. And when I got to the to the publishing process again, way smaller than an actual novel. I was like overwhelmed. <laughs> so, and, and I think other ER doctors are too. So that's why, uh, yeah, tell us about how you did it. Yeah, no, it, it, it truly is um, a, it's like, a, it's an entirely new um, like field and, and just, you know, so much to, there's so many nuances and things to learn about. And uh, I'd say, you know, the actual writing of the book was <laughs> was much easier than kind of navigating <laughs> through all this. Like, I felt like I was back in, um, you know, first year of college pre-med where, you know, you're like, OK, well, this is how you get into med school and, and you got to take, you know, the MCATs and this and that. Like, just starting the process was like, oh, my God, this is uh, I, I'm starting from square one. Uh, but but yeah, you know, it, it's it's been a several year process. And, and the way it started um this, so again, this was back in 2015, uh, 2016. Uh, I, I had this idea and I put it out there um, to to like some, you know, writer forums. And I, I guess I caught the eye of some some readers back then. Um, and for those of you that, that don't know, there, there's these things called alpha readers and beta readers. Um, so what they do is once you have um, an early part of your draft 
the alpha readers will kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, you, you know, take a look at the ideas and give you some criticisms. And then the, the beta readers kind of look at the uh, pretty much completed manuscript. And then this is way before like the actual editing of the book uh, where they can sort of tell you, hey, this belongs here or, you know, you can cut this, you know, part of the story out. Um, so I had about seven or eight people, you know, and you'd be surprised. You just kind of go out there and you find your own little niche of of people who like the same things um uh, it's I just like volunteering people, like people just yeah for fun okay yeah very cool yeah i always tell people like you know if you're if you're um hesitant about like going into the writing field like i'm a big believer in that like everybody has their niche of readers out there and like you just got to find them you know there's there's people that read some really weird <laughs> some really weird stuff out there and it's just like you know the specific thing that you want to write about there's they're out there and, and and i found them i found this like really small group of people and somehow they got me in touch with uh, a couple people I, I i can't really name them because you know I, I i got an agent back then and um she was super helpful and she she still is for me right now um but a little a little <laughs> a little pricey so we don't have uh we don't have like an official uh, uh, working partnership right now, but she's been so helpful um, just getting me to the right people. Um, and somehow I got uh, in touch with the cover artist. Um, his name is Stephen Ewell, a uh, great guy. And, and he is, uh, he was the artist for the, the books Dune and and some of the star wars novels and just a lot of a lot of novels that you've seen in like the 80s and 90s that were really classics like he, he was under the artist uh, work for that um you know got me in touch with them he did the cover art for the book we were ready to go i had a bunch of um i, I put my story out there and i got in touch with a bunch of publishers i had some deals thrown my way um and that's when i kind of suddenly stepped back and I was like, oh, I don't know if if I really want to to step forward with this. Um, there's there's kind of two types of publishing. There's there's that traditional publishing where, you know, you, you market your story, um, you know, through an agent and then the book publishing company, they will give you um, a deal and say, hey, you know, we're going to put this story out there. Um, but what I ended up wanting to do is, is self-publishing, which is, I assume, Amy, is that what, what you did with your with your book? Yeah, yeah, I, d I did the same thing. I talked to publishers, like, I actually started with one, things didn't vibe right, and then I went self-published as well, yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a few different deals, and, and they, they all felt really like, it was almost that thing where like, oh man, this is my, it's almost like, this is my baby, this is my, uh, you know, you just, you, you just feel that, that, that sort of thing thing where I, I i wouldn't really settle for anything less than 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 what i felt like it was worth like I, I was getting some things where i'd have to sign a contract and they'd say you know we own the rights to you know this idea and any franchising you know if one day i don't know if this becomes uh, you know uh, an animated series or, or anything like that we'd own the rights to that i was like ah oh, you know it's so early in the process i i don't think it's it would be right for me to to just sign it away for you know however many any many dollars that was um and so you said you you had some uh publishing deals as well 
Yeah, exact same thing. Like I pitched, I talked to some people, really liked it. Then you start getting it and they're like, oh, we can use your likeness forever, however we want. Or they start to want to change things. And I was like, no, that's so important to me. Like, I don't want to change that. So I, I totally relate. But I, I think the self-publishing process is not trivial. Um, so it, like, like I mean, I, I know it's probably a long story, but, you know, how was that for you? Like, were, did you just like Google and we're like, how do I do this? And <laughs> use like Amazon or, yeah. I think that was that was probably the the problem is I Googled like what the process was and, and immediately I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and then it, it turned into like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'll put this off and then I'll learn how to do it. And, and uh, you know, then it, it, it turned into, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll figure it out and release this in a few months, which turned into, you know, next year, which turned into a couple of years. And, 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 you know, now it's 2000 you know, 22 and I still haven't released it. Uh, but, you know, it, it kind of became this thing where I got really obsessed with like actually learning it. And I, I did this thing where I started binging all of these YouTube videos on how to self-publish. Um, there's a, I forgot what the podcast is called. Actually, it's like self-publishing with Dale, uh, Dale Roberts, I believe, but he, he does a great job of like showing you the, the, economics and the business of it um so i have like an hour drive to my to, to my job so i would i would listen to these on the way there and back and i became just this like i, I am so knowledgeable about the process now um and then I, I there's this thing called story origin so it's a it's a website where um you kind of um network with other authors and other readers and you put something out there called an advanced reader copy. So earlier this year, um, I had my copy. And then what you do is you, you take that, that free copy and you send it to, to these people who, um, where if they're part of that advanced reader copy group, they get a free copy so that they can read it. And then they say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll read it. And then when your book comes out, we'll put a review like later on in the year. Um, it's not a paid thing. Um, they don't have to give you a good review. They can read it and they can say, we don't like it at all. Um, but it's, there's just these people out there just because they like to read, they get these free books and they just, they just, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll read your book cause it's free. And, and I think that that was like a really great idea. And I, you know, I did that earlier this year and, and by the time my book came out, I've, you know, now I have, you know, 300 plus people that have already read my book. And, uh, it was like six months ago, people were like, when's the second book coming out? I was like, I haven't released the first book yet. Yeah. I mean, I was like super impressed, like your Amazon rating, you've got like many, many reviews, your Goodreads rating, like many reviews, like your ratings are outstanding. Like you've done like an incredible job. Like I said, like you, you've been out, I think just shy of a month actually, and like I know now is kind of the marketing and kind of post-publication um, blitz. Like, how does that balance with like just your ER doctor gig? Like, it's so funny to me that like, I mean, people li listen to podcasts all the time on their long commute, like in and out shift, right? Like that's super common. You're the first one that I've heard that's listening to videos slash podcasts about self-publishing a book in and out. So it's like when you walk in, are you just like, oh, CPR in five minutes, cool. <laughs> From like page size and font and, you know, uh, covers and paperweight and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like a lot of people, they listen to, you know, a lot of EM related podcasts on the way to work. And I, I, don't, I don't know, I feel like I need to like, 
get my mind in like, I, I like to listen to other stuff because I mean, my shifts are, um, it's like, you know, eight to 10 hour shifts and, and it's an hour there and back. Uh, and that's just like a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of emergency medicine to take up like the whole day. Uh, and again, it's, I'm driving through like farmlands and stuff. So, um, you know, if I'm listening to like, uh, you know, admission criteria for, you know, pneumonia and like new guidelines, <laughs> I'd probably fall asleep on the way to work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, what I, what I would do actually, so usually I, um, I'm kind of one of those weird, those weirdos that I like to do the early morning shifts, which usually start at like six, right? So I get up at like 4am. Usually my wife and kids are asleep. Um, I'll take that first hour to just write a little bit every single morning. Um, I have this weird, you know, regimen where no matter what my shift is, whether it's 6am, 10am, 3pm, I'll get up at 4am, no matter what. And like my body just knows, you know, I have this like big belief that if you're truly passionate about what you do, you, you don't need an alarm clock. You'll, you'll wake yourself up. So at 4 a.m., I get up, I write a little bit, and I'm already in that mode where I'm just like, I, I'm just really excited about writing and, and the whole process. So that's like, I kind of get excited to listen to my, my stuff on the way to work. Um, and then and then I walk into work, and then it's emergency medicine all day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you're looking forward to the next morning when you can have, like, the me time. Yeah, and, and, you know, we've actually talked to a lot of people about, like, burnout and wellness and that sort of thing on the podcast, and that's actually a really common theme. They're like, dedicate something for you um, every single day and do it and commit to it. And I'm like... I mean, you did it and committed to it and you have a novel, like a full novel <laughs> out of it. So, so I, I, I wanted, I wanted to close with basically, you know, there's so many ER doctors with great ideas. There's so many ER doctors with different passions. I think that's what makes us really interesting and diverse, but it is not that common that those passions evolve into something real, whether that's like a side gig, a business, a book, um, I love to ask words of advice um, from you, from someone who successfully like materialized the dream um, for like other ER doctors that are interested in, you know, making their dream happen or making their book happen. Yeah. I, my biggest advice is for, especially for us ER doctors is just realizing the, the, our brain's potential to still have that plasticity to, to learn and achieve things that we never really thought possible, right? So we we talk to all these consultants and specialists, and we're constantly trying to keep up with them with with their changing practice. And we get to work and and have all these procedures where we learn these new practices too. Um, and we've proven it to ourselves, right? We've gone through medical school, um, we've gone through residency, um, and you know we're we're great doctors in the ED. You know what's to stop you from taking what you're good at outside of work and saying, I'm going to learn everything about this and be an expert at it and just go for it, you know? Um, and, and what gives us sort of that unique ability to do that in the ED is we, we do shift work, right? So, you know, <laughs> we're going to have those days off where you're going to want to relax, but I say, you know, relax, but also do what you're passionate about. You, you definitely have the time. There's no excuses there. If there's anything you want to do and you want to be great at it, you can do it. And uh, it, it's just the best feeling in the world. Man, I love that. And I want to say congratulations on the book. The book is called, again, The Red Frontier. Um, I, again, really love Dr. Cruz's 
um, posts on EM Docs about this, but of course you can find his book on Amazon um, as well as uh, beer is Goodreads, right? Like where else can you get it besides Amazon, if anywhere? So I have a three month uh, deal with Amazon Kindle for the ebook just until February, uh, but you can get the paperback copy there, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, just pretty much anywhere. Um, and then after February, it'll be uh, available everywhere, local bookstores, Amazon, Target, Walmart, uh, Barnes and Noble, all those places. Hopefully you'll, you'll see it everywhere. Uh, and I am currently working on book two and, and, uh, I really appreciate all you guys, uh, supporting me and, and I hope you like the book. Thanks so much again, Joe. This was a super fun conversation to have. Thank you so much, Amy. Appreciate it. So it wouldn't be an end of year podcast without doing a recap. And this was a big year in emergency medicine. I think more than anything, it was a big year in workforce and seeing what happened to the field of emergency medicine. So my recap is mostly the happenings I thought were particularly substantial, as well as, of course, some of the podcast highlights that I had, which really kicked off in February with the boarding debate that Dr. Labad and I did, where we talked about waiting room medicine and the pros and the cons. Now, as you remember, um, I was actually pro waiting room medicine, not because I like seeing patients out in the waiting room, but because I believe that we are a specialty that goes above and beyond and is amazing because we are so dexterous and flexible and being able to flex into the waiting room, but have processes that make it more safe, aka harm reduction, but processes that make waiting room medicine more safe when it does inevitably happen was something that we should all work on while, of course, in the meantime, working on interdisciplinary ways of addressing the boarding crisis. Now, of course, ASAP has done tons for boarding, as has AEM and other uh, societies, but you can check a lot of that out on the ASAP Now podcast and, of course, with Big ASAP. Now, moving into the rest of the year, I think that's when we started to see a lot, especially with the corporate practice of medicine. In that mid-year time, I think there was a lot of um, focus on private equity groups in particular and some of the flaws with their business model. Of course, I am alluding to the bankruptcy of Envision that was announced in May, followed by the very sudden closure of the group APP. Um, in August, which caused all sorts of shockwaves throughout our field, in particular because of the effect on ER doctors um, that were working for APP with things like tail coverage, who's paying their pay given how pay is traditionally delayed about a month with most groups, what happens in these instances when a group suddenly uh, closes its doors to the hospitals and the clients. And I think that's when we really saw what um, Dr. Leon Edelman, who we interviewed that month um, from Ivy Clinicians about workforce, what he called the Game of Thrones that happened after APP. That mid-year time, I think, was really setting the tone for October, which is, of course, Scientific Assembly. But workforce and actually unionization came up during that uh, conference, as well as, of course, the election where we'll have Dr. Allison Haddock as the next ASEP president-elect. Now, the end of the year I love. I actually thought uh, last month's boarding debate with Dr. Uh, Jesse 
Pines and Dmitry Nikola was a fantastic one because it's such an age-old debate, but it looked at a new study and I thought it had some pretty interesting um, perspectives that came out of it, of course, timely for the interview season, which is wrapping right now. Now, I didn't want you to have to listen to just my recap of the year, so we actually turned to our ASAP Now editors and asked them the same question of what is your favorite article feature happening of the year and got answers from them. So check it out. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. This is Cedric Dark, the medical editor-in-chief of ASAP Now. Back on ASAP Nowcast to share with you my favorite article of 2023, which happens to be your favorite article of 2023, and that's the story of the emergency medicine match. Uh, the article was written by Leon Adelman, um, some additional reporting by Jonathan Fisher and myself, talking about the match debacle that took place this past March. Uh, over 500 spots unfilled. And the question was, why? Um, was it that incoming students are worried about competition from APPs? Do we feel like compensation is no longer matching the rigor of the profession? Or is it burnout? Emergency docs have been burnout. Most burnout physicians, two years in a row, we're probably going to go for the three-peat. I keep telling everybody. And what's interesting is a study that came out after this article looking at um, unfilled, the unfilled positions, tried to analyze why um, a lot of it was programs that had been previously unfilled continued to remain unfilled, smaller programs, um, some of those programs that are located in certain areas like the Mid-Atlantic or East, North, Central region, a.k.a. the Great Lakes regions. Um, and then also some of those programs that had corporate ownership structures. So those are some of the issues I think that, you know, as we look forward to 2024, we're going to have to really take a look at our profession long and hard and figure out, is the interest in emergency medicine where it used to be? Um, and how are we going to make sure that... Um, we fill all the slots that are open for residents to learn how to do emergency care. One of the great quotes from this article from Dr. Laurel Hasselden, um, she's an emergency physician in Virginia, and she literally said, the number of times I've said, I don't wanna teach you to practice waiting room medicine, but it's what we've got, probably didn't help sell anybody on a specialty. So when we're talking about boarding, we're talking about burnout, we're talking about, you know, new programs opening up. Um, we, we've got a profession in peril. And I think that's is, uh, what we're going to be looking into as we move forward into the next year. Thanks, Amy, for having me back on the podcast. My name is Catherine Marquardt. I'm the associate editor for ASEP Now. And we all know that how challenging this year has been for emergency physicians as we're facing crowding, boarding, clinical challenges. And ASEP Now has been there throughout the year to offer insights, perspectives, and for some issues, solutions. 
And sometimes even if a problem can't be solved easily, it's helpful to know that other emergency physicians are facing similar challenges. One of my favorite articles from this year was the article by Wes Staver, which sedatives are best for managing severe agitation? And this was a quick review of sedatives for severe agitation and reviewed ASEP's new policy about um, distilling clinical evidence and guiding clinicians. And the winners, um, according to this article, were droperidol and midazolam and ketamine. So that was a great review for us that have to deal with violent patients in the emergency department. Happy New Year. Thank you. Hi, I'm Carmen Lee. I'm the resident fellow for ASEP Now. Reflecting back on the past year that I've been involved with the publication, my favorite issue was actually this past one in December. Um, I think that there are a lot of challenges facing emergency medicine right now that can overall feel disheartening or overwhelming, especially when faced with a boarding crisis um, and different you know, shifts in the, in the broader market. And I thought that this issue featured the voices of a variety of different clinicians who are working to tackle these challenges on a small scale and who actually offered a lot of hope. Um, they presented their ideas in a really rigorous way. They referenced national trends, but then they also crafted solutions that fit their local environment. And I found it really inspiring um, and made me feel excited about the potential to transform our field instead of weighed down by the forces that are causing these shifts. Happy holidays and best wishes for 2024. And that is it for us this month and for 2023. What a year. Now, despite the holidays and the end of the year, ASAP Now is always hard at work on the publication and you should be getting the magazine in your mailboxes shortly if you haven't already. And this month's magazine has so much about boarding, because if you can recall from my recap, we kicked off 2023 talking boarding and overcrowding crisis because it affects burnout. It affects our daily clinical practice. It affects our patients. It affects our workforce. Like there is not a single ER physician who has not been impacted by overcrowding and boarding. So front and center, we have an article about tackling ER overcrowding. We have our ASAP for you that has the feature on the overcrowding national summit that was recently held. We also have kind of a cool tech feature about the boarding dashboard and a heat map on boarding. Now, of course, there's plenty more in there, including clinical practice pearls, a feature with our own Dr. Dark about burnout and the usual columns like toxicology. Now, because it is the end of the year, 2024 is the time to tell us if you haven't yet about what it is that you are wanting from ASAP Now. If you have an idea, feel free to tweet us at ASAP Now or feel to tweet me directly at Amy Faith Ho. We would love to hear about new people to feature, to interview, new topics to discuss, new debates to have, anything that keeps you coming back that you want an in-depth experience about. So of course, please keep tuning in. Let us know your feedback and we will see you all next time and next year.